Hi, this is Marcus, and I just want to welcome you to the Timbers Church Podcast. We're excited that you're here. One of the things that we aim to do is to add some value to your life, to your family, to our community, and our world. We do so by exploring the truths that come from God's Word. So start the journey with us and hit subscribe and check out this podcast every week. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Welcome to Timbers Church. I am so glad that you are with us today. Obviously, things are a little bit different, right? I mean, we had this whole virus that came, attacked us, and so now we're not meeting face to face, and which is a bummer to me because I want to see your beautiful faces. And usually we're at Rogers Elementary School having this good time, fellowship, donuts, all those fun things. But today we're online and we're going to make the most of it. We're going to have some fun. And so I want to encourage you to uh, engage. Uh, so why don't you put down below in the comments, tell us where you are watching today, where you're going to church. Are you in the bathroom? Are you in the living room? Are you in your bedroom, still in bed, PJs? Tell us a little bit about where you're watching and we'll just sort of have some fun with that. But let's engage. Uh, you can listen and engage with people in the comments as we go. So that's going to be some fun. Now, before the virus hit uh, us, we, we did uh, have a series that we were in, right? We were doing uh, a series, I think it was on friends, right? I, I, do you remember that? We were talking about friends, community. And, and here's the thing. Friends, having a good friend group, having a good community, it actually boosts your immune system. You, you are healthier when you're a part of a community. And so I just think it's sort of weird that we were like talking about this and all of a sudden then boom, this virus comes in and tries to literally pull us away from community, wants us to distance ourselves. And uh, it sort of ticks me off a little bit, right? Because I want to be with you guys. And uh, I can tell you this, the virus isn't going to win. We're going to win and we're going to keep on keeping on and we're going to have some fun being innovative here on online on ways that we can stay connected. And it's going to be a great, great time. So that being said, let's dive into our uh, series, because if you remember last week, I didn't speak. Last week was our first week online. We had Greg. Thank you, Greg, for coming and sharing. He came and shared because me and my wife and our family, we added a new one to the team. Little Trig was born last Saturday, and so Greg filled in and spoke, but that gave us a little break in our series, but we're going to go back and finish up the series today. So if you are going to take notes today, you can write the series title up at the top, and it's going to be New Friend Request. New Friend Request. That's what we're going to call this. This. And if you have one of these, an old school Bible, uh, or if you don't, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and open that up. Let's open up to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, that's where we're going to start off today. But before we get there, I just want to quickly sort of review what we talked about in the first two weeks of this series. When we kick things off, we kicked it off by talking about the people that are closest to us. The people closest to us are the ones who actually shape who we are and who we become. They actually say that you are an average of your top five closest friends, which is sort of cool because you can be intentional about who those people are. So rather than just allowing people into your inner circle by coincidence or just by happen chance, right, you can actually get a little bit more intentional about who you let in and who you sort of keep out. And so what we did is we encouraged you to be proactive, be proactive in surrounding yourself with the right people, with the right friends. And so that's what we kick things off with to start start the series. And then the second week, we uh, started talking about how the best friendships are built on giving, not on getting right. Sometimes we just like to get. 
but it actually, if you want the best friendships, you need to give a little. And Jesus actually modeled this to us when he served his friends. There's a story in the Bible where you actually see Jesus taking the position of one of the lowest servants by washing the disciples' feet, right? I mean, a servant is a low position, but the one that would actually wash the feet, that was the lowest of the low. He took the lowest of the low position in order to serve his friends, which gave us our cue. Our cue was that we would follow Jesus's lead and actually begin to serve our friends with, with no expecting anything in return. That was the goal, right? That's That was the cue, the action step that we wanted to, to take, which I find a little bit interesting because a few days after that is when this virus started to pop up in different parts of the world. And we started to see that and there was a concern and all of a sudden it was like day one, everybody's sort of making jokes and all of a sudden then it's like more intense, more intense and now we are where we are. But here's the thing, that virus has actually allowed us to be able to serve our friends, right? Because if you look at your friends and if you look at your community hard enough, you're going to find needs, needs that you might be able to fulfill. And so it gives us an opportunity to practice that cue. And I hope that we do so. I hope that we serve one another, take care of one another, because that's what a friend does. So that's what we've talked about up to this point. So now we'll get ready to dive into what we're going to talk about today. So to kick things off, let's open up this book right here, the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, and let's open up to Matthew chapter 22, and we're going to start with verse 35 through 40. This is what it says. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Let's stop there, and will you pray with me? Lord, God, I want to invite you into this talk today. I pray, Father, that you'll speak clearly to us. I pray, Father, that you'll open our ears to hear, open our eyes to see, and open our minds that we might understand, and then soften our hearts so that we'll be able to receive all that you speak. And then I pray, Father, that you'll give us the strength and the courage to put it into action because, God, we don't want to be just hearers of your word. No, 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 no. We want to be doers. Help us to be your church. And everybody said, amen, amen. Did you know that Jesus actually had drama inside his relationships? It's true. He had these really, really close friends. There was actually 12 of them. We call them the 12 disciples. Those were the people closest to Jesus. And there were times where these 12, his friends, did not know who Jesus was. They didn't know. There were other times where they weren't really understanding what it was that Jesus was doing. They just couldn't get on the same page. And there are other times where they are more focused on themselves than actually focused on the mission that he had been sent to fulfill, right? And then there's this one time where one of the 12, one of his friends actually betrayed him for a little bit of silver. And then in his moment of need, shortly after that, there was another one of his friends who actually pretended not even to know him, not just once, but actually three times. So when you start to look at this friend group that Jesus had, you almost sit there and start to think, man, these friends are not really the best friends, right? They're, they're, they're not that great. And yet we see that Jesus, he was faithful to them. 
he he gave us actually something to actually aspire to right when it comes to how we handle our own relationships because we're not perfect like jesus right i mean jesus was perfect we're not we fall short every time and why do we fall short well the reason why is because relationships are a lot messier when there's two imperfect people Jesus's relationships, there was only one imperfect person, and that was his friend. Jesus was perfect. So it it flows a little bit better. But for us, there's always two imperfect people. And the reason why is because I hate to break this to you, but you're not perfect. (laughs) And neither am I. And because of that, because of our imperfection, it just gets a little bit messy. And because of that, we need to dive into the mess because regardless, of our imperfections and regardless of how messy it might be with the people that are in our lives and in our inner circle, our friend group, and no matter how messy it is, we, all of us, we still desire friends, don't we? Because God created us this way. He created us to be in relationship. And when someone, and we, we all desire someone that we can actually depend on someone who will just sort of, you know, get us and somebody that like we, we can share our troubles with and also share our joys with. I mean, that sounds really good to have somebody that close and somebody that gets us in those ways. But we also know from personal experience that, man, if we stay in a friendship too long, well, conflict is going to happen. It just does. And when conflict happens, it actually hurts. And after that fight, after the conflict, after after it's all done, you're sort of left and you're like, man, I don't really feel like too much like Jesus right now. And you start to look around and you're like, man, there's a lot of broken pieces scattered all over the ground from this relationship. And here's the thing. As painful as the conflict is, Leaving that conflict unresolved causes much more long-term damage. So the question sort of becomes is, how do we learn to deal with it? How do we not go out and get revenge? You know, I'm not talking deal with it by getting revenge. How do we not do that? But how do we deal with the conflict in a healthy way, in a Jesus kind of way? Now, I've met people and I've met actually quite a few people who sort of approach relationships a little bit differently, right? They approach relationships as, as man, it's complicated because for them, they're looking at it and they're like, man, relationships have way too much potential to, to cause me hurt and pain. And I don't want to go through that. I don't want to be bothered by that. And so they have these surface friendships and the moment that that friendship starts to get uncomfortable, well, they're like, I'm out of here. See ya. I'm gone. I'm walking away. I, I, I don't have uh, the work ethic or the hassle to put into that relationship to fix it. So I'm just going to move on to something new. But here's the thing. As Christians, we don't want to do that. If we're a follower of Christ, we don't want to do that. Why? Because relationships, all of them, they are very, very important to Jesus. We see in our text that we kick things off there in Matthew chapter 22. We see that. We see how important they are because Jesus, he commanded two things, right? What were the two things that he commanded? He commanded us to love God, and then he commanded us to love our neighbor as what? Ourself. 
In other words, he's saying that your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself and your relationship with other people, well, guess what? They are very important to him. And matter of fact, they're all intertwined. They're connected. And so here's the deal. When conflict arises with you and your spouse, when conflict happens with your neighbor, with your kids, with your parents, with your coworkers, with your friends, when conflict happens in those places, it doesn't just affect that relationship. It actually affects your relationship with God as well. And I think, I think that's why Jesus said something in Matthew chapter 22, verse, or at Matthew chapter 5, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 through 24. Jesus said this. He said, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and reconcile to them, then come and offer your gift. I mean, that almost sounds like some guidelines that Jesus laid out to sort of help us navigate our relational ups and downs, right? Jesus knew that we couldn't live in this constant high with our relationships. He knew that eventually we were going to experience some lows. And so what he did was he laid it out on how to effectively follow him. And the way that we effectively follow him is when we deal with conflict, we're to actually go and make it right, right then. Before we go to him, before we do the thing with him, we want to make that relationship whole. How about that? And so to help us do that, I want to jump around to a few different letters that were written in the early days of the church, in the in the early days of, of the Christ followers. There are some letters that were sort of passed around, and I want to jump around to a few of these. Now, most of these letters make up what we call the New Testament. This book, the Bible, is made up of 66 books. You got the Old Testament and the New Testament. And uh, and there's there's the New Testament, sort of tells the story of Jesus, right? And then the story of the early church. Now, most of the books in the New Testament are these letters that were written to these early church, which is after Jesus ascended up into heaven. And these letters were written by several different people, but a majority of them were written by this guy by the name of the Apostle Paul. And in his letters, he wrote to these churches that were new churches. They were churches that he actually went out and helped start, sort of like a church plant, sort of like what we're doing here with Timbers Church. We're starting something new, right? And because he started a lot of these churches, these churches would have been full of people that he loved deeply, that he cared about deeply. And, and so all of a sudden, you see these letters getting passed around with the intent that they would be read and shared with everyone that was in the church. Why? Because Paul wanted them to, to understand what Jesus wanted for them. And Jesus wanted what was going to be best for them. And that's what Paul wanted for them as well. And so he wrote these letters. But here's the problem. The problem was that many of these churches, they weren't perfect. They actually had some things wrong. They, they had trouble understanding and practicing on how to actually behave and, and make relationships healthy, do it the right way. And so that's one of the reasons why Paul actually wrote these letters to sort of fix it, right? To sort of guide them on some points and some things that would actually help them to become a little bit more like Jesus, right? 
And one of the things that was going on in this time period, in those early days of the church, is the fact that you sort of had Christianity exploding and spreading out around the globe. And as that happened, the message began of Jesus began to reach people who never actually personally saw Jesus, never heard Jesus's teachings. And so they're hearing about Jesus for the very first time, and they're saying yes to him, right? And as that's happening, happening, when somebody far from God finds God, there's going to be a journey for them to learn things about God. You said, yes, that's great. And now you're all ready to jump in and start a church and do the thing, but you don't know all the teachings, right? And so all of a sudden, with a church who had been doing this for a while, there's tension between the two churches, and so all of a sudden, that's what was happening. You saw tension sort of rise in these circles of Christianity. And Paul is addressing these relational tensions within. Now, mainly, you see the conflict sort of break out between two different groups of people. The groups were this. You had the Jewish Christians who actually were raised on the Hebrew law, and they would have known the stories of old, right? They would have known about all the miracles that were in the Old Testament of God coming in and promising things to Israel and leading. Israel through these incredible encounters and and it was beautiful to them right their history was full of faith and religion and and encountering God in a real way and then you had the other group of people the the Gentile Christians and they were non-Jewish Christians, right? They would have been the Greeks and the Romans, and, and any Christian that wasn't coming from a Jewish culture would have been the Gentile Christians. Now you can see here that it wasn't so much a race issue as it was more of a background issue. The Jews, they didn't want to let go of the rich heritage that they had, having all these encounters with God and then having all, all these rules, these laws that had been laid out for them. They didn't want to give those things up. Even though Jesus came and sort of taught them some new things and then died on the cross to actually set them free from some of those laws, this was their heritage. And they didn't want to be set free from those laws. But the Gentiles, they're coming with a completely different background, right? They weren't connected to all those laws the way the, the Jews were. And so all of a sudden, their background was they had a whole bunch of different gods that they had been serving. It was like a, uh, somebody would come in with a new god and they're like, yeah, throw them in the mix. We'll worship that god too. Put that god right here. And they'd put it up on the mantle and start worshiping them. But then when Jesus came into the picture, they said goodbye to all those gods and said yes to the one true god, which was, was Jesus Christ and, and his father god. And so when they said yes to him, all of a sudden, anything that wasn't connected directly to him, they wanted nothing to do with. And so a lot of the laws that were trying to be pushed on them from the Jews, Jews, they're like, forget you. I didn't hear Jesus say anything about that. So I don't want it that, you know, I'm out. And so the tension, you can see the tension coming into the two churches, so the church, these two churches, these churches, the, 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 the Jewish church, and then the Gentile church, you can see where they're starting to head in a different direction. They're going two different ways. And that's causing a lot of conflict within the Christian circle. And here we have Paul, who cares about both groups deeply. He loves the Jewish church. He loves the Gentile church. And he's seeing them step into this mess of relationship. And he's like, man, somebody has to bring leadership to this. Somebody needs to address this. Why? Because this conflict that is sending them in different ways is not what Jesus intended. Jesus did not come to divide his followers, divide the church. Jesus came to unite the church. 
right? And so Paul steps in. He gives leadership. He writes some letters. And in those letters, he gives practical advice on how to navigate a way through all this tension. I want you to hear one of the first things that I want to share with you is in Romans. If you have your Bible, you can go there. But this is one of the things that he wrote in one of his letters in Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 18. Paul wrote this. He said, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. This is huge. This is huge. Because in verse 19 there, the way that he finished this up was he literally quoted something that was straight from God. He said, it is mine to avenge, says the Lord. In other words, if, if you don't feel that the issue that you're dealing with is resolved, man, just don't worry about it. If you're feeling like they wronged you to the point where they actually sinned against you, I mean, they went that far. It was a sin. Well, guess what? It's not your place to deal with the sin. It's God's place. You're sitting there and you're like, yeah, but I want to take revenge. Well, leave it alone. Let the righteous anger of God deal with it. And if you're like me, man, I hear that. I'm like, man, that sounds really, really good. I like the fact that the righteous anger of God's going to deal with it. But the truth of the matter is deep down inside, when somebody's wronged me, I don't know if that's enough, right? I want to get my revenge. I want to fight back, right? Because they hurt me. They did something to me that is a little bit hard for me to just get over and give it to God. And so it's hard. And Paul knew that. But yet Paul also was making things very, very clear. Matter of fact, to the Ephesians, Ephesians church, if you turn to Ephesians, he wrote another letter to them and, and he wrote this. And this is what Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 through 27 says. It said, oh, not there. Let's see here. I got to get to Ephesians. There it is. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 through 27 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still hung angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Once again, it sounds really simple, right? But it's really hard. The simple thing is we're not supposed to let anger control us, but we often, when we find ourselves hurt, that anger is the exact same thing that we want to hold on to, right? Even though that if we hold on to it, it's giving the enemy a foothold, even though it allows Satan to get a foothold in our life, we still want to hold on to it. Why? Because we got hurt and it feels good. This emotion of anger, man, it feels good to hold on to that anger. And so we want to direct that anger towards that person. But here's the thing. The danger of directing our anger towards that person that wronged us, that person is somebody that Jesus actually gave his life for. And so if we're going to direct our anger towards somebody that Jesus gave his life for, well, I'm telling you this, it doesn't strengthen your life. Matter of fact, it weakens your life. And we could go as far to say that it probably is going to destroy your life. Paul also went on to write another letter to another church. And you can see something that he wrote in this letter in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. He said this, he said, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone 
who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You catch that? Make allowance. (laughs) In other words, he's saying make room for conflict, right? Because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it's going to leave you feeling hurt, feeling disappointed, right? But when that happens, you have to remember that just as that person is far from perfect, so too are you. So too am I. And Jesus forgave me. And Jesus forgave you. And Jesus will forgive them. And so too should we allow his love to flow through us to them as well. So let's say that you're dealing with some conflict in one of your relationships right now. You you can think of it. You're like, yep, I got some conflict in my life and a relationship that is pretty close to me. And and you're sitting there and you're like, "Ah, I don't know what to do with it. Well, personally, I think this is very encouraging because we're looking at this right here and we're realizing that the people way back when They dealt with the very thing that you're dealing with. They dealt with the drama in relationships. They had conflict as well. So you are not alone. This is not just a you issue. This is a a life issue. If you look at this book, you can trace drama in relationships all the way back to the very beginning here in Genesis with Adam and Eve, the very first man and woman. There was drama in that relationship. So this isn't a new thing. And so if it's not a new thing, I think one of the ways that we learn to deal with it is take a page from the people who went before us. And so we can wrestle with some simple questions, questions like, what should I do when conflict arises in all my relationships? What do I do with that? What do I do with conflict when it rises in just one single relationship? How should I react when someone close to me causes me pain? Those are good questions to wrestle with. We can also take a page and, and, and take a cue from the early church as well. We cannot be naive to the fact that people are not going to hurt us. People are going to hurt us. We can't be naive to that. Remember that you have hurt people. And if you have hurt people, then somebody will eventually in return hurt you. And when that happens, you don't want to repay evil for evil according to this thing. Instead, we need to move to a place to forgive and let things move towards peace and fight to restore the damage that was done inside that relationship. If we were to jump back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, and just look at it one more time, I want, to, I want you to catch something in that last verse. It said in t- verse 26, it said, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Now, I want you to notice here that it never said don't get angry, right? I mean, that's an emotion, right? It's an emotion that at times can even feel good, right? But what it did say, even though it didn't say it said it, it didn't say don't get angry, what it did say is when you get angry. In other words, it's going to happen, right? When you get angry, do not sin. In other words, don't do something bad. Don't go out and get that revenge. And then the second thing that it, that it highlighted here is it says, resolve it quickly. Why? Because if we look outside, the sun is about to go down. The sun is going to go down very, very soon, right? 24 hours in a day, you got literally 12 hours of daylight. The sun is going to go down. And so that means you need to move quickly 
and fix what was done that was wrong. You need to fix it today. Now, learning to do this, it's not easy. I'm going to be honest with you. It actually takes a lot of practice. The good news is you're going to have a lot of opportunities to practice. But one of the things that I believe sets us up for success in this area is actually experiencing forgiveness firsthand. And that's exactly what Jesus is offering you. He's offering you this. You might be sitting there watching today and, and you're just hearing this message and you're like, man, I have never accepted the forgiveness that comes from Jesus. Jesus is offering me this. I've never accepted it. And he is. He's offering you forgiveness for all the wrong that you've ever done. He's offering grace enough to cover it all. He's, he's got so much love, unconditional love, that he wants to just literally pour over you. And maybe as you watch and you start to feel that tug, you start to feel him literally saying, hey, this is for you. Maybe you are like, maybe this is my moment. This is my moment to say yes to him for the first time. Maybe I said yes to him a long time ago, but I've walked a long ways from him. It's time for me to return. Well, I want to encourage you. If you feel that tug, I want to encourage you to say yes to him. Say yes to him. And if you say yes in this moment, I want to really encourage you to let us know. If you look at this post, you're going to find a place where you can click and literally send us a message. Or if you don't want to click, you just want to send us a message through our Facebook page, that works as well. But we want to hear from you because we want to pray with you. We want to come alongside you. Because the truth of the matter is, when you say yes to Jesus, you're saying yes to starting the journey of following him. It's a journey. And I'm telling you this, when it comes to traveling a journey, it's a lot funner when you do it with a tribe. And we want you to be a part of our tribe. So now, as, as, as you're considering to do this, I want you to do it right now. Okay? Right now. As soon as this is do done, I want you to do that. But for all of us, you included, if you said yes to him, for all of us, I want to leave us with a cue. We always try to end the message with a cue, an action point, something that we can put action because we don't want to just be hearers of God's word. We want to also be doers. And so our cue that I want to give us today is this. Let's put action to resolving the conflicts in our current relationships. I'll say it again. Let's put action to resolving the current conflicts in our current relationships. Because the truth of the matter is we got the time to do it right now. A lot of us are not working the same hours that we were. We're stuck in home. And we can pull out our phone and we can FaceTime somebody. We can hop online. We can send a message. We can do whatever we got to do in order to make things right. But let's do it and let's move quickly before the sun sets today. I'm telling you that if you work hard to restore these relationships and come out the other side, you're going to be so glad that you put the work in. You're going to be so glad that you did. Will you pray with me? God, we just thank you so much for allowing us to connect in this way online. Lord, I pray, Father, for the people who have been attending Timbers in Rogers Elementary School with us. I pray, Father, that you'll be with them. But I also pray, Father, for all those that have joined us outside of Timbers today, just online. Maybe they live a little bit farther away. Maybe they live close and they just checking us out. Lord, I pray, Father, for just you to come upon all of them that you'll help them to apply this message, 
the conflicts that are in all of our lives. I pray, Father, that you'll make our relationships stronger. Let this season where our lives are turned upside down be a thing that catapults us into healthier and stronger relationships because you made us to be in relationships. And sin has been always trying to mess it up. I pray, Father, that we'll be able to restore it. And I also pray, Father, for health over everybody. Pray for all those that are fighting this virus, for protection on them, and for extra strength and energy to be able to be alert and do what they got to do. Be with us this week as we engage one with another. And be with the parents of those little ones as they're about ready to click on the link to go do their kids' lesson right now. Give them the wisdom to teach their kids, their child, well, your ways as we partner together with these people. In Jesus' mighty, powerful name, everybody said, amen, amen.